the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Happy Saturday. I'm here on Firing Line Radio. My name is Rick Travis. I'm the Director of Development for the California Rifle and Pistol Association, filling in for your host, the great Phil Naiman. And we'll be talking today with CRPA's own outstanding uh, lobbyist and uh, our Legislative Director, Mr. Roy Griffith. And we're going to be giving you a, a recap of where we're at with the Second Amendment here in California, what has went on the past year, what you need to know about. And then we're going to move into where we're headed this year with both the Assembly, the Senate, and the governor here in the Golden State. Roy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. So, Roy, you and I talk, and, I, and as I said, I want to kind of set this up for the listeners. Uh, Roy and I, obviously, in our, our jobs, meet often. And often we meet up in Northern California. And so we will sit out near a fire at the end of the workday back at Roy's place. And we will sit around that fire and we'll talk. So I want you to imagine today, you are our third, fourth, fifth guest that we have there at the outdoor fire looking out over the valley in El Dorado. And we're just going to talk to you that way today. We're going to include you on in the conversation like you're right there with us. And so this is how we normally talk about some of this stuff. So Roy. Let's recap what happened last year, and what does that mean for the listeners? That's probably the best place to start because it sets the foundation for what's going on this year. And what we're seeing, they've learned through our strong litigation. CRPA's had some very successful cases that are working their way through the courts now. And they, when I say they, I mean the people in the big white building. They realize they can't just take our firearms away from us. The Second Amendment is still protecting us there, at least as we live and breathe today. But what they've learned they can make it harder and harder for us to purchase those firearms and purchase the ammunition that we need to utilize and enjoy and recreate legally with those firearms. Last year, we saw one of the worst bills that we'll be keeping a real close eye on that was signed by the good Governor Newsom, and that's Assembly Bill 2847. That was that shoe bill that we so affectionately called the three-for-one bill. That's that next step in micro-stamping. You know, we've had this Space Age, Star Trek, Michael stamping thing in California for a number of years now that we can't get a new firearm on our roster unless it passes the, uh, unless it comes to California micro stamped. Well, up until last year, um, actually up until July of, of next year, when this thing goes into effect, July 2022, um, micro stamping had to be in at least two places on that firearm. Well, AB 2847 did two things, more than two things, but two primary things. It changed that micro stamping just one location, and 
so when and if somebody, some fly-by-night manufacturer brings a micro-stamped firearm to the California marketplace, not one, not two, but three time-tested firearms go off the roster. That roster used to have well over 1,000, 1,400 firearms on it, thousands of firearms available to folks in other states, but Californians now just have access to less than 800 firearms. So now, when, once AB 2847 passes, every time one of those new fly-by-night firearms makes our roster and pleases DOJ, three time-tested firearms go off that list. And it's not like for like. It's not like a 9-millimeter, you know, 6-capacity, whatever firearm comes on the market. They go to that list, and they take the three oldest time-tested firearms off the list. So... We all got to stay focused on that. We'll be ready to file a lawsuit on that when that goes into effect. But that can really devastate the firearms, the safe firearms that are available to our Californians. And the next bill that the governor signed last year is AB 2362. That's that next step in assaults on our FFLs, the good folks, the good men and women who decide to you know, make firearms available to us and through the headaches of dealing with DOJ, do all that paperwork for us, sometimes for minimal or nominal fees, but they just believe in what we believe in. Well, the big businesses will be able to survive this, but it's the little mom and pops places are going to be devastated by this bill because this bill puts anywhere between a $1,000 and $3,000 fine on simple, simple as paperwork violations or just having the wrong sign that changes yearly post in their business. So, you can imagine the mom and pops, the ones that do transfers for nonprofits like us or California Waterfowl and, and National Turkey Federation, those little folks who just help out and help those auctions go forward and little mom and pops businesses in beautiful Alturas, California, they're not going to be able to afford. They've already told us they can't afford a $3,000 fine because they they had the wrong sign posted in our business. So we're going to be see FFLs, you know, just folding and, and leaving us once that goes into effect in um, July of 2022. Um, <laughs> the scary thing is most of their violations occur because they can't get a simple answer from the good folks at DOJ. You know, it's uh, it's 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 sad, but um, and, and I'm not picking on DOJ, but it's a fact. They're just state employees that are overworked, overburdened, and under budget like other state departments, and they only have so many folks to answer questions, but um, that's the problem is, is our FFLs try to get a hold of them to get an answer on all this crazy new laws, and they, you know, depend on who you get and who answers the phone that day of the week, you get three or four different answers, and you know, Roy, talking I, to one good friend here, friend mutual. Yeah, I want to stop you for a second, because I think you brought up a point that the listeners need to hear. Every year, you and I hear um, you know, assembly people, senators, you know, other people in the regulatory process saying, oh, let's add on this other thing for the Department of Justice to do. Um, some of it not egregious, much of it is, much of it is uncalled for, but there's this concept that the department's actually going to do it. And I know one of the former chiefs had talked with you and said, look, we just don't have the bandwidth to doing this stuff, let alone the money to do it, let alone the technology to do it. If you could talk about that for a minute, because I think that is something that our community just doesn't understand, that not only is there a set delay, but the reason we see some of the, the delays during COVID was because they so simply were overwhelmed when all of us went out to go purchase firearms, especially the first-time buyers, because under normal circumstances, the system's overloaded. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Just in a, on an, in a normal week, and then when you freak the the good citizens out that they're not going to purchase firearms or ammunition anymore, and they go in in droves and buy everything off the shelf, we've all seen what's going on with firearm prices right now. I mean, these 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 extreme leftists are just the best firearm and ammunition salesperson personnel we have that that these businesses could ever hope for. But many things were thrown into it. From handgun registration, a few years back, they added the long gun registrations, which just DOJ still quotes that as the reason they can't get the 30,000 armed prohibited felons off our streets because they're too busy registering long guns. We've heard that excuse. Now, that was bad enough. And then throw on something called ammunition background checks. And that started last year. And <laughs> so for me, just to go buy an expendable box of 22 long rifle or box of shotgun shells to go enjoy a re- hunt or recreate with my friends, you know, there's got to be background checks now. So that just keep, you said it best, they just keep piling on more and more on a system that was barely sufficient to handle firearm purchases. And there's some I don't want to go down rabbit holes, but there's some crazy, you know, bills we'll talk about later in the works this year that are just going to add to that mess even more. So um, I feel for them, but yet I don't feel for them because they never come up to the microphone and in Sacramento and stand next to me and say enough is enough. And I get it. I was there. I was muzzled for 32 years of my life and could only say the company line what I was allowed to say. But at some point, and I know that they hopefully do some of this on the down low. The good, the good retired chief that you you mentioned earlier used to talk pretty openly to us about their system and how overloaded it was. So um, I'm hoping some of the conversations, you know, a lot that goes on in the building doesn't go on in the building. It goes on in conversations behind the scenes, and and um, they hopefully say some things there that they can't walk up to that microphone and say openly. But yeah, really good point, Rick. It's a flawed system with just, it's a cart with three wheels that they keep throwing more donkeys on, you know, and, and Bandini in the back of. So it's a, it's a mess. Yeah, definitely agree. And, you know, thank you for helping lay the foundation because I know we got new bills that are coming down the pipeline you know, in this world that we're dealing with COVID, a new administration back east, a recall that looks like it moved from a dream to a you know, possibility and now has moved into what everybody's calling the media probability. And so as we're talking about those, we can also talk about, you know, the process and what kind of things we see as political hot potatoes um, as we forecast the rest of the year. And then we'll get into some of the other uh, interesting things that the Assembly and Senate and uh, anti-gun groups are getting ready to try to move forward as we move through this show. So again, hang out here at the fireplace. We'll be right back after a couple of our supportive commercials. And we want to thank you for being with us here on this Saturday. Again, Rick Travis, Director of Development, CRPA, and the Legislative Director, Roy Griffin. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. You know that every week we're going to talk about the Second Amendment, supporting, defending, encouraging people 
about the Second Amendment. And one of our longtime sponsors in that has been Vince Torres of Bullseye Sports, Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you haven't been down there yet, well, shame on you. You need to head on down there. He's on the corner of Brockton and Central in Riverside. Great little store. Not a little store. He's got a great store down there. And just check it out. You need big guns, small guns, whatever you need. He's got it. And that's Bullseye Sports. Guns and Ammo in Riverside, 951-823-0211, bullseyesport.com. Check them out. If you already have your firearm, check them out for some training classes because we all need that. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. My name is Rick Travis. I'm the Director of Development with the California Rifle Pistol Association. And joining to me today is our Legislative Director, Mr. Roy Griffith. And as I said before, we have set this up so you're out in Roy's backyard, around the fire pit, with us as we discuss the two-way politics of the state. So, Roy, set a great foundation in the last segment of what happened last year, where we're at, how the building um, that we dislike functions. Um, You know, one of the things that you left out that I hope you bring up as we start to talk about the new assemblies and senates is how your access to both the people that we like and what I like to call the nimrods that don't want to work with us, um, how your access has been impeded by things like, oh, I don't know, that virus called COVID that knocked me out of commission for the past couple of months. Yeah, well, it was a broken machine already as far as our access to your alleged nimrods. And I, we already had a hard enough time getting them to give us the time of day. But I had a little technique that always worked for me is when they wouldn't return my calls or emails, I'd just go plop myself down in their office until, until they had to see me. And um, I am, as you all know, I am a techno store to begin with. So I'm a face-to-face kind of person. Same with same with our testimony. Our public testimony is always much more effective in a face-to-face format. But that all went virtual, and I've been waiting for three weeks for a call back from just a staffer on, on one of the ugly bills this year. And can't even get that, you know, called the office multiple times. What they all typically have is one staffer that's at home on a cell phone um, jockeying calls for the office. And um, if that staffer chooses or doesn't choose to uh, want to um, communicate with CRPA, it doesn't happen. So the system has gotten even harder for us to answer that question. And we're facing some some pretty significant bills this year, kind of what we talked about, the next step in that process of of access. It's all about access now. They know they can't take them away, but what they can do is make it just um, difficult to impossible for us to to buy our firearms. And one of their big big flashpoints of, of mistruth that they've been doing the last couple, three years now is going after gun shows. And then we had the Cow Palace bill that we pretty much put death to, and then the Del Mar bill that we're still fighting that um, the governor signed. But it uh, it's just the unlawful nature of saying that we cannot conduct legal and lawful activity on state property. And that's what Senate Bill 264 has taken the... Um, those Cal Palace and the Del Mar bills from years past and put it on steroids. Now they're going after no gun or ammunition sales on any state property. Um, this will devastate gun shows and fundraising events for some of our many friends, none of the nonprofits that hold dinners and events on state parks and state property. But um, our opposition letters on file, it's available at our website. We encourage everybody to join that fight. Because, again, they're trying to restrict a legal and lawful act with nothing but lies. They, they testify after we've testified for years that 
these gun shows require even more checks and balances than a brick and mortar FFL. You don't, they, but they still testify that a felon's going to go there and walk out with a firearm. Just doesn't happen. Blatant lies. So that's uh, Senate Bill 264. Next step in that process, another ugly little bill that they've introduced this year is Assembly Bill 311. Assembly Bill 311 takes the next step where the other one left off and bans the sale of all precursor parts at gun shows on state land in California. So think about that. If you take a little trip down memory lane to the 2019 when Mr. Assemblymember Gibson, one of our favorites in the building, the one who openly called us very bad names in public testimony one time, Mr. Gibson filed what we know, know as the Precursor Parts Bill, which was signed by the governor 2019 session. We have yet to get a definition of what a precursor part is. It could be anything from a trigger assembly, certainly probably a receiver, um, but it could be a spring. It could be a firing pin. It could be a barrel, you know, precursor parts. It could be a chunk of steel is what they were originally testifying in this bill. So they've already made it illegal for, oh, well, they made it, what they have to do is they, the law says precursor parts have to be treated like a farm. In other words, background checks, serializing. Um, so think about that. You have a firearm registered to you and you got to go buy a new trigger assembly for it. So now it's registered with two separate entries, the trigger assembly and the firearm itself. So if that's not bad enough, now they want to take that and make that an unlawful act on any state property. <laughs> Here we are yet to get, receive a definition of a precursor part, and we're going to make that activity unlawful on all state property. All of this is completely unnecessary because let's take a little further trip back down memory lane to 2016 when our good buddy Jerry Brown signed AB 857. That was the, the ghost gun bill that we still see TV shows making shows about ghost guns and the transfer of ghost guns and these unserialized homemade firearms. They already illegal in California. You already can't make a gun that doesn't have a serial number. Ultimately, when you finish construction, put most to the receiver to the action and make it functional, you have to obtain a serial number from DOJ, apply said serial number to said firearm and register it. So all this nonsense about precursor parts and the fact that they're going to be used to put together these ghost guns, is it's, <laughs> you follow me? You're talking about going down a rabbit hole. You see this horrible little circle we're on? You already can't do it. So they kind of what we talked about earlier, Rick, about all the extra work dumped on DOJ. I, I picture a couple little guys in, you know, with pointy heads and lab coats and, and pocket protectors with a bunch of pins in it at DOJ trying to, <laughs> define what a precursor part is. And again, you know, I get in trouble a lot picking on my brothers and sisters at DOJ, and I'm not. The boots on the ground, the, the men and women that are doing the job in the field risk their lives every day. And we would love to see them doing their jobs of taking armed, prohibited felons, violent felons off our streets. That's one of their jobs as well, but they're too busy doing all these other crazy things. They, you know, they're going to be the precursor parts police going to a fairground and uh, a gun show somewhere and, and going through boxes of stuff that these poor people have on the table and, and figuring out what can stay and what can't go. And by the way, if said salesperson has a precursor part 
on the table. According to this bill, they got to pack up their all their inventory and exit the building immediately. So what a mess. Stand by for that one. But that's AB 311. And um, you can see the tainted history <laughs> of it brings with it when this makes precursor parts makes my head spin because I don't know. It'd be, it'd be like saying the tires on your car are illegal because you can't speed, but you already can't speed. So why are you going to not allow tires, you know? So I don't know. What do you think, Rick? And that one just crazy or what? No, I, I, I think this is the kind of stuff that, you know, I've often said to you in the backyard, I think a lot of these things are written by young 20 somethings because of the number of times when we could talk to the assembly member center, they didn't even know the particulars of the bill that they were carrying. So I think a lot of this stuff is just crazy stuff run by kids fresh out of college. And it's just devious, it's underhanded, and it's not well thought out, which thankfully has given us the advantage to be able to go in the courtroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We will, you know, whether these things get passed or not, if the governor wants to sign these things with their supermajority, they'll make their way to his desk. And but we will do everything we can and we'll tell the story every opportunity we have in every committee we can, which, you know, hopefully makes our litigation case stronger someday that we at least tried. Right. Right. And I think it's important for the people out there to realize that this is why there's so much disinformation, folks, on social media. Because people hear or see a picture and they get a three to seven second snapshot at a given moment and then extrapolate off of that. When uh, what CRPA works very hard to do and put out through messaging like this, put out on our website, put out messages to our members. And if you're not a member, become a member is to try to give you the facts because it's only with facts that we can fight this fight. We'll be coming up in the next segment to talk about where the Senate and Assembly is going in other areas related to the Second Amendment. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Persians! Come and get them! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis. I'm filling in for your wonderful host, the wonderful Mr. Phil Naiman, who is all things Second Amendment and stands against all the tyranny in this state that is trying to take away your rights. With me today is... Roy Griffith, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. We're going through in the last two segments where we were a year ago, where we're at today with some of the new 
Assembly and Senate bills. And now what we're going to be talking about is allies of yours. And some of these allies that I want to point out that we're going to be talking about and why we try to help out with them is because, folks, they are trying to dismantle our beliefs, our culture, the way we process things piece by piece. Roy and I could tell you in the hunting community, the, the classic example was they first went after predator hunters and people that used hounds for bears. And those are relatively small numbers of people in the, in the greater scheme of total numbers of hunters in California. And what they started to do was just they're eating at the edges. They're doing the same thing with the greater 2A community. And while there are tensions in that community, you know, there's people that shoot shotguns that don't understand people that shoot pistols and vice versa. And, and those that do three gun, whether it's modern versus the old cowboy way. Folks, stop. Yeah, I don't care if you're in law enforcement, you're in fire, you're in EMS, and you carry a firearm because you're in a tactical position or it's your part of your daily job. I don't care if you're a security guard, a member of the federal government, a park ranger at a state park you know, a game warden, any of those people are part of your community because guess what? You often see them at competitive shooting events, which I do, Phil, your normal host does all the time. They are not out to get you. Roy would tell you as a former assistant chief for the Department of Fish and Wildlife that, you know, by and large, all the wardens are like you and me. You know, when they take off their uniforms, they're doing the same activities, they, they want the same things we do. They don't want someone showing up at their door to take away all their firearms, nor do they want to be a part of that process. And so when I talk about allies, instead of having a knee-jerk reaction, they're doing the same thing. They're trying to come out to the greater community. You're feeling it when it comes to ammunition restrictions. You're feeling it when it comes to an ever-shrinking list. But they're coming after law enforcement guys saying, hey, you know what? You protected society. You've done all these things. There have been several attempts to say, oh, but you no longer work. Yeah, you have no rights to self-protection. Or we're going to limit your ability to carry. Or we're going to do this. Hey, you know what? A guy or gal who has went undercover to try to keep my family safe, I want them to be safe the rest of their lives. And anything that goes after that, I guarantee you, if you can make the argument in a courtroom that you can take somebody that's given 40 years of their life to defending the rest of us in California that's gone away, that's just a precedent to take anything you and I have away. And so I'm going to use that to open up with Roy. Why don't you tell them some of the things that they're going after law enforcement as part of this, let's change what law enforcement looks like. Yeah, you're right, Rick. And, and um, it's good, good foundation there because we have to realize, and I've made this point to a lot of people saying, well, heck with the cops. I mean, they're the ones taking our rights away. No, that's not the case. They're the folks doing their job. And, you know, and I live in beautiful, you know, Republic of Jefferson up here. And I have an incredible sheriff, D'Agostini, who's made it very clear to the governor that not in his county are some of these BS things going to be enforced, like going after ammunition vendors that don't have a license because the state didn't do their job and get them said license last year, you know. But they're going after law enforcement on the basis of use of force. They're going after law enforcement on background and education. And it's going to be a scary thing now It's because of television and the news media. It's just almost expected that a officer is guilty if they don't have body cam footage of what just happened. You know, this is we've just so relying on technology that um, and I, I'm I 
I fully support body cams. There's a time and a place for them. But we can't get to the point where we have to think that every officer at every given moment is going to have a functional body cam on them. Think about it. Technology. So already the officers are going to be guilty to prove an innocent if their body cam wasn't functioning when something happened. Well, we're, you know, I've already heard that in the people in the news. Why wasn't there body cam footage? You know, it's costly. It's technology. It's not reliable. You know, there's a bill to our good friend Reggie Jones Sawyer's got a bill to require that law enforcement officers have to be 25 years of age or have a college degree to be a law enforcement officer. That's scary stuff. I having been over hiring for the department the last couple of years before I left and spending my whole career trying to recruit new law enforcement officers. It's hard enough to convince folks to, you know, uh, we, for instance, had just a 68 unit requirement and so many good officers didn't have that because they came right out of the military or something. I'll tell you straight up, there's a lot of people with a lot more street smarts that I'd rather have behind me backing me up in law enforcement that didn't have a degree or weren't 25 years of age and a lot of folks I know that went to college and PhDs and, you know, degrees and pond degrees, and they aren't smart enough to pour, you know, what out of a boot. So um, concerning there, but really the bills that keep stacking on on officers being so restricted with use of force and, and the, what they have to go through. Um, there's that. We're going to get behind a couple of good bills. You know, there are a couple folks in the building that believe in law enforcement and don't want to see them restricted. There's there's one bill that we'll be supporting just basically allowing peace officers to wear their firearms into a business. And, you know, we have nut places like Starbucks. And I know you like your foo-foo latte chate, Rick, but I won't enter that business ever since. I never drank that stuff anyway, but Hey, wait, 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 wait. A couple well, other stores did a Starbucks. A couple other stores did I haven't been to a Starbucks in over six months because after you and I talked, I quit doing it. So easy. All right, good. Well, there's a we have a bill just to allow officers in California to go into a a business wearing their firearm because there's places in the beautiful People's Republic of San Francisco that were, you know, restricting officers going into business with those scary guns on their hips, you know? So we can't have our officers treated like that. We can't have this counterculture that they're the enemy. And, and I think you said it best. There are brothers and sisters that risk their lives defending us. So um, we will fight. We CRPA will stand up for, stand against any bill that whittles down peace officers' rights, and we'll stand up and support any bill that, that makes their world safer or a better place to function. And so, and, and I, don't I, think for a second, those of you that still think well, the, the cops are on the other side of the fence and, you know, they deserve to be taken down a notch, trust me, if they're going to go after a peace officer's right to use force, who do you think is next? You don't think they're going to restrict a peace officer's use of force or where a peace officer can openly carry their firearm and you think you're going to be allowed to? So um, I, I, you got to join us on that one and support our, our men and women in blue and tan and green. That's for sure. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, in this segment, I really want to focus on is folks we've got to broaden our view of our community. Our community is not of a single political party. Our community is not of a single color of skin, you know, feeling towards religion one way or another. We are a collection, just like everything else in this country, of people from various backgrounds, various cultures. You know, some of us have our, our first generation. Some of us 
were here before the country was even a country. Um, um, now, none of us other than maybe Phil are old enough to have been there when the country was founded, but um, and it's always fun to take a pot shot at when he can't respond. But you know, one of the things that I would be remiss in not pointing out is we got to quit shooting ourselves in the foot and shooting each other. We really need to start looking at this, not just in your local community, but in your state. And I will tell you, I work with the vast majority of the 58 sheriffs throughout the year. And I will tell you, there's a better part of 54 of them that are doing everything they can, especially during this horrific year with budget cuts and the fights against them, to make access to CCWs more available. Some of the ones that were sitting on the fence and kind of tapping the brakes saw what was going on, and they've opened up the brakes. We have a huge um, training that is coming up this next month that is helping all 58 departments and, and being up front. There's like 56 showing up, um, along with a whole lot of police departments that are now starting to issue, including in counties where those other two sheriffs aren't so fond of issuing anything. So this is one of those things of us working with them and not having the standoffish attitude that a lot of groups had in the past is changing it. We are moving that little you know, um, lever into our direction. And believe me, I'm hearing from the men and women and all those different uniforms how happy they are to be working with us because that lets them know that there are people that know what they're doing, they're getting the training, and they're being able to help provide some help because right now you can't put a cop in your back pocket. And there are many parts of this state that there are many, many minutes away when the bad thing happens. And so those sheriffs and police departments are working with us. We'll be right back with Firing Line Radio. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your guest host, Rick Travis, the from the California Rifle and Pistol Association. With me today is Roy Griffith, who is our legislative director, and we're both filling in for the wonderful, the astounding, the amazing, the man, the myth, the legend, Phil Naiman, who is your normal host every weekend fighting the good fight for you for the Second Amendment. And, you know, the previous three segments, we were talking about where we've been, 
what is up on the thing, some of our allies. But one of the things that Roy and I have been talking about around the fire is, you know, everybody talks about dim and gloom. Everybody talks about how long is this fight going to last. Everybody talks about that and sometimes gets depressed, wants to throw the talent, move. So I'm going to open this segment up with why that's not the best attitude and some of the wonderful things happening. And then we're going to we're going to talk about a victory that happened and then hopefully point all of you in the right direction. So, folks, I often hear when I go out and publicly speak that, like, Rick, we've had to fight for four or five years. Okay, folks, we're almost 250 years old as a country. Here in a couple of years, we're going to hit the 250 mark. And I want you to think back. Almost 250 years ago, in fact, in 2025, it will be the 250th anniversary. It wasn't tea going into our harbor. It wasn't illegal taxes. It wasn't a massacre by British troops in Boston. It wasn't any of those heinous crimes that people like Ben Franklin, Jefferson, Adams, Madison, you know, Hamilton, Washington were upset with. It was when the government of the land, our government, because we were all British citizens at that time, sent troops to two little towns called Lexington Concord and said, hey, we're coming for your ammo and we're coming for your weapons. That's what kicked off what we know today as the Revolutionary War. That was the final match. And I think that's important for us to remember because that was the birth of the Second Amendment, the idea that the citizens had a right to have their own firearms and big government didn't have a right to touch them. So the Second Amendment argument started at Lexington Concord, was finally put into writing in the 1780s, and then was part of the Constitution in the 1790s, forward. So I want you guys to think about this for a moment. This is an argument that has happened every year. So to sit there and think that Roy's going to say something magical, you know, our, our wonderful attorney and president of CRP, Chuck's going to say something magical, or I'm going to do something magical, or your host, Phil Naiman, is going to do something magical, and we're all going to be done. We're going to be able to wipe our hands and never have to deal with this. This test, known as the American experiment, that has led to more people on this planet enjoying freedom, and we can see in other countries that have copied it, fighting for the Second Amendment or a right similar to it, like they have in Romania now, and other former Soviet blocs is an annual test. It's an annual fight. It's never going to go away. There is nowhere on the planet you're going to run from this. The idea that big government doesn't get to have the absolute say was antithetical for the first six to 7,000 years of civilization. It is this experiment in this country that has led the way to say, you don't get to do that anymore. Having said that, that means all of us, every single one of us have to be hyper vigilant and making sure that our rights and the rights of our fellow brothers and sisters are never impeded. And that is something that for $35 a year, you help the California Rifle Pistol Association do. That's less than a dime a day, folks. We're not asking for you to give the bank, but we're asking to stand with us, be counted, join us, because we do get victories. Roy mentioned earlier, we have several victories that have happened in the courts, several more that are going through the court system, some that may actually be heard in the next year or two by the Supreme Court. But we also have victories early on, and a lot of you miss them. 
And Roy, you just did the called shot, pointing at the back fence like good old Babe Ruth, and smacked it out of the park with some of your friends. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, we had a bill, you know, that came and went already. <laughs> and that's some of the smallest stuff that people don't realize, some of the behind the scenes. But uh, the um, misguided senator from San Francisco County, um, Mr. Weiner, felt that uh, even though he's from a county in California with no bears and no bears issues, he felt he needed to lie to the citizens of California and tell California citizens that bears were on the decline, black bears in California on the decline because of global warming and the fires, which is so far from the truth. Bear populations have tripled in California since the 1980s. And since 2013, when the good folks took away hunters' use of hounds to pursue bears, the state has not even met their own quota. The state's own scientists feel that 1,700 bears a year should be harvested to keep bears healthy and in check with the habitat. That hasn't happened, folks, since 2013 when the use of hounds was taken away. Every year, 500 to 700 bears are left on the landscape and not harvested. So do the math. Well, the good senator introduced Senate Bill 252 this year that would have outlawed all bear hunting in California. This was a big bite of the apple. This is the first time they went after a big game mammal that, that Californians are, are licensed to, um, to harvest. And with the same stories that nobody eats bears and yada, yada, yada. Well, I can tell you bear is delicious. I've harvested bears. I've used everything from the bones to make bone broth and the fat to make the best lard you you never had good pastry until you had bear fat pastry. I've heard the legend for years, and I finally mastered the last couple of years. So just nonsense, the rumors that these folks spread. But we, CRPA, joined a coalition, the California Hunters Conservation Coalition, which brings all kinds of good folks to the table, from Cal Waterfowl, National Turkey Federation, all the good members of Gaines & Associates, Bill Gaines, a Safari Club International led by Kathy Lynch, and we came together and we got national attention with a meat eater himself, Stephen Ronella joined us, and one of his finest, Sam Lundgren, one of his writers wrote a beautiful article that's available at the meat eater site if you really want to get down in the weeds with us and see. Someone started a petition here in California in less than a week's time, almost 30,000 Californians signed a petition saying enough is enough. Um, we had behind the scenes support from some good folks that work where I used to work. And um, we took that thing out at the knees. We put so much pressure on a good misguided senator that in less than a week, he pulled a bill that, trust me, he didn't care if this bill was signed or not. In his little district, in his little world, all he cares about is getting votes. And number two, making more money to get votes and get reelected. And in his little world, as misguided as this legislation was, he accomplished that. And he never would have pull the bill if he didn't receive some pressure from above and beyond and who knows where. But so big victory, but I want to be crystal clear with everybody that's here in this. We want a battle. We want a skirmish, but the war is far from over. This idea, this bear bill has been floating around for years, ever since they took hound hunting away in 2013. Bears was on the bobcat bill two years ago, and they took that off immediately when they realized they were taking too big of a bite of the apple. So don't think for a second that we've protected hunting in California. This is a wake-up call 
that folks need to get involved. They need to go to our website. They need to keep track of what's going on on our website. Just go to the CRPA.org, go to programs, click on legislation, and you can see what I'm up to, and you can see copies of opposition letters I've filed that you're free. Feel free to cut and paste and send to your your uh, personal representatives. But anyway, join us. We need your support, and the fight is far from over. And for those of you that just heard what Roy said, and you might be going in your car or wherever you're listening today, uh, well, I don't hunt, so why, how does this impact me as a gun owner? Because what I will tell you is both in what Roy and I and the rest of our, our team that works on regulatory policies, both local and the state, as well as our legal team, is that if you were able to eliminate at hunting in California, a lot of the firearms from your AR platform, so some of the other ones that you enjoy using for events that have nothing to do with hunting would be removed. One of the ways we preserve them is those are firearms used in the sport of hunting and also in the ability to provide food for your family. And if those things are ever defeated and taken away by taking away hunting pigs, bears, deer, other things, you will lose those firearms fairly quickly because one of the places we're able to dig in both in the courtrooms and in the public media is you can't take away people's rights to have holistic meat. And so even if you're a vegan or you just don't think hunting's right, realize that hunting also defends your right to have access to the firearms that you enjoy here in the state of California that have already been attacked. Folks, it has been wonderful having you here at the campfire. We hope to do this sometime in the future. Hopefully having you know, Phil join us with you. But we are going to be communicating all year long, letting you know what's going on. Go to CRPA.org, join, donate, become part of the fight. And whatever you do, be safe, shoot straight, and fight back for your rights. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.